Incredible edibles start with Loran. Professional bakery emulsions, super strength flavors, and candy mixes from Loran make it easier than ever to create your own delicious edible experience. Bite Me listeners in the contiguous 48 receive 15% off their order at loranoils.com. Just enter Bite Me 15 at checkout. For listeners outside the 48, email customercare at loranoils.com for a list of distributors and retailers near you and tell them Marge sent you. In this week's episode, I have the unique pleasure of sitting down with content creator, author, and culinary cannabis maven, Monica Love. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host and certified Gangier Marge, and I love helping cooks make safe and effective edibles at home. I'm so glad you're here, and thank you for joining me today. I'm thrilled to bring you this conversation that I had with Monica, but before we do, just a quick message from a fellow cannabis podcast. We talk about edibles on this show. But if you're secretly Googling all your other questions about weed, check out How to Do the Pot, a podcast demystifying cannabis for women. Every week, through a mix of storytelling and practical tips, How to Do the Pot shares fun, short episodes about sleep, stress, sex, and more, all to inspire you to feel confident about cannabis for health, well-being, and fun. If you want to hear how women are exploring cannabis and have all your questions answered, listen to How to Do the Pot wherever you get your podcasts. With that, friends, please enjoy this conversation with Monica, where we touch on a number of things, such as sous vide cooking, tips for making great edibles at home, her new cookbook, and that one infusion that I've never made before that's a staple in Monica's pantry. Without further ado, please welcome Monica to Bite Me the Show About Edibles. All right, I am super excited to be joined today by Monica Lowe, the author of the Weed Gummies Cookbook and also known for the Sue Weed website that I've been a fan of for a long time. And I just hope you could take a second, Monica, and say hello to the listeners of Bite Me, the show about edibles. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Marge. I'm really excited to be here today and to chat with you more about edibles and, and gummies and all the things. Yes, I always love connecting with fellow uh, edibles enthusiasts, so I've been really excited about having this conversation. And clearly, as I mentioned, you have a website called Sueweed that has been around for quite some time, so you are no stranger to culinary cannabis. Can you tell the listeners about Sueweed who might not be familiar with it? Sure. Yeah. So I initially started Sue Weed as a blog, really to just document my healing journey um, using homemade edibles. Um, I had herniated a spinal disc back in 2015, and I was prescribed pain medication, and all of that just wrecked my stomach, making just the whole situation even worse. Um, and the moment I had a cannabis-infused edible, I just knew I had to figure out how to safely make it myself. Um, but, you know, at the time I lived in this really strict no smoking building and I had to be really discreet about the wafting scent of cannabis, which meant like all the recipes I found online, which were like use the stovetop or like, you know, uh, decarb in an oven. Um, all these things I couldn't do because it would just stink up the place. And I was like not about to get evicted. Um, so at the time I was the creative right. director <laughs> at a sous vide startup. Yeah. Um, and I thought we put our uh, sous vide devices to the test and it worked. So 
since cannabis flour and cooking oil are sealed up in a bag and then placed under water to infuse, there's no smell. And that also meant I could make multiple infusions at once using all my favorite strains or all my favorite cooking oils. And then I would be able to use these infusions in like sweet and savory dishes. Um, but yeah, I've just been able to manage my back pain and also my anxiety with uh, my infusions this way. Mm-hmm. And um, just, you know, throughout the years, I'm just pretty excited to see how this seaweed platform has evolved and like how it's been able to open doors for me as like a creative in the cannabis industry as well, since this wasn't my background to begin with. Right. So this kind of came to you almost by accident through your personal health issues. I love that you mentioned that you can, when you're sous vide, using sous vide as a, as a technique that you can infuse multiple oils at the same time or butters or whatever the case might be. Cause obviously if you're doing it on the stovetop, you're pretty limited in that way. And that really can save people time, which saves them money, of course, because they're making their own infusions. Um, who would you say are your biggest influences when it comes to the website or your culinary cannabis journey? Yeah, so I I would say I'm an influence by a lot of things. I'm um I collect a lot of vintage Asian cookbooks. Um I'm really fascinated by ancestral flavors and ingredients and also traditional Chinese medicine and you know how herbs and plants are used and paired together to help restore the body's balance and and harmony, which is a lot like what cannabis does, right? With the endocannabinoid system. Um, So a lot Mm -hmm. of that like really fascinates me. And, um, and I think it, it dictates a lot of like my influence, my influences. And so what would compel you to start the website like this? I mean, cause I, I know there's lots of people out there who use cannabis for all kinds of different reasons, but not everybody decides to share that journey with people online like you have. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've always had, um, a food blog of some sort. Um, when I moved to New York and, uh, cause I'm originally from Texas, I moved to New York for, for college and it was just a way for me to just like, you know, share what I'm up to, what I'm eating and just like keep in touch with like family and friends back at home. So I've always had a food blog. It's just, I am always just putting my stuff out there. Um, so I wanted to document my experience, experiments and experience using cannabis and the sous vide machine, um, and just, you know, put it out there, documents, um, my recipes and I'm always using my camera to capture it all. So. Right. And the photography (laughs) is beautiful. I will say so anybody listening definitely needs to check it out and it'll of course be linked in the show notes, but before your, your back injury, have were you always a cannabis consumer or were you pretty new to it at that point? Um, so I had I dabbled in it. I, I went to an art school in Brooklyn, so I used cannabis to boost my creativity. Um, and it also helped in social settings. But you know, it wasn't legal then, and so it was a little sketchy to get sometimes. So it's um, you know, sometimes hard to come by. But I did you know, I have dabbled in it and it wasn't really until I moved to, um, San Francisco that I started using it for pain management and medicinal purposes, um, with a herniated disc. And I got my medical card and, um, was able to just like go wild in the dispensaries. Right. So you sound like a lot of people that I know that sort of started dabbling long before it was legal or they were in legal places, <laughs> but a place like San Francisco, I imagine has an amazing array of, of options for people. Um, When it comes to sous vide cooking, though, because I really feel like it's an undervalued tool that a lot of people don't understand how wonderful it is. 
what do you love about this style of cooking? Oh, yeah. No, I, I love sous vide cooking. Um, and what it is, is it's cooking in a very precise temperature water bath. Um, so what you do is you seal your ingredients up in a bag, or if it's something liquid, you put it in a mason jar and you can place it under water to cook. And you have a sous vide uh, like machine or a device and it heats up and circulates the water at the exact temperature that you want, like to the degree. And there's no risk of overcooking your food. So the technique is used in many, many restaurants and it's also used in for like medical devices, but like home cooks use it a lot now as well. Um, and it makes a killer steak, you know, the perfect medium rare steak from edge to edge. You can make really juicy chicken breast. And it's also the probably the only way I'll eat turkey because that, that stuff is dry as hell. <laughs> really? So you would do a whole turkey in your sous vide and then would you finish it in the oven or how would you go about? I'm just curious because, uh, I'm in Canada and we just had Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was yesterday. Oh, so yeah, thank you. I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So you would break down the turkey first. Okay. Um, I mean, you could be the whole thing. It would just take a lot longer, I believe. Right. And um, so when you break it down, you can cook uh, the white meat in uh, at a certain temperature and then the dark meat as well. Um, dark meat takes a little bit longer, but you know, it's all sealed in a bag with all its juices and the herbs and the flavorings. So like, it is so lovely. And, you know, when you plate it up, it's like a deconstructed turkey, but really nice. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I love it. I, I like the sounds of that. And I've had many a very dry turkey breast over the years. So <laughs> this sounds <laughs> yeah. like something I'll have to experiment with next year. I do have definitely. a sous vide device, so I can definitely do it. But you mentioned, of course, that you like to use it for edibles because you can decarb with no smell and you can do multiple infusions at the same time if you choose to, or you can just do a larger batch of, an, of a, your favorite infusion at a time. Um, do you have any tips or tools that you'd recommend to get the most out of your sous vide cooking, whether it's just regular cooking or your edibles making? Yeah. So uh, tips and tools, like I, obviously you'll need a sous vide machine. Um, I use the Jewel. I love that one because it's really small and um, it's not as clunky. Um, you'll also need a large pot of water to put the, um, to put the water in. Uh, mason jars are great if you want to cut down on single plastic use. And there are also single uh, silicone bags out there, mm -hmm. uh, silicone soupy bags. I haven't really used it before, but it, it really looks interesting. I would definitely try it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the great thing about using the soupy method for, um, for your cannabis cooking is like I mentioned multiple infusions at once, but it's also just so discreet and I feel like it's safer. You're not having to like babysit a stovetop in an open flame. Um, but yeah, yeah, it just, it takes time and temperature, uh, management when you're cooking with cannabis and, you know, when you're able to just batch cook a bunch of different things at once, it's just, it makes so much more sense. Right. It definitely seems, saves time and everyone's so busy these days. Now you mentioned something about the mason jars and I do tend to use mason jars when I use my device as well, but I always feel like I need to put it in a bag as well to make sure it doesn't leak. Is that, is that just me being like extra paranoid and that's a step that I could probably skip and not have to worry about the, the bag? Well, you don't have to put it in a bag. If you double check your jar first, I've had jars break on me before. And it's just because there's like a thermal shock of like having 
a cold jar, especially if you have like cold butter in there and then you're putting it into hot water, it's going to crack. So I like to put the jars in while the water is heating up so it can come up to temperature. Also just checking that there's no like fractures that it can just break. Um, And then, you know, if you want to put like a little trivet underneath so it's not touching the, the bottom of the pot, that also helps sometimes too. Okay. That sounds good. So I'll skip the bag because I always felt like it was a bit of a waste and I was just paranoid that it was going to leak, but I guess that rubber seal (laughs) is there for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, As far as decarbing goes though, how long does it usually take to do it in with the sous vide method? Because it is longer, isn't it? It is longer. I mean, but I, these days I use an Arden FX and that also takes about like an hour, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it also depends on like how much you're, uh, you've got in there. Um, but I, I use the garden FX to decarb these days. And for those who don't know, it's like, a an at home decarboxylation machine and it fully activates your plants. It's also pretty discreet. Like once you have a lid on and everything, you don't really smell it too much. Um, and it's large enough to process four ounces at a time, which is really great. Yes. Um, and then you can, you can infuse your oils inside of it if you want. But again, like I like to do multiple infusions. So I have my sous vide set up. Um, so once I, have decarbed my four ounces. I kind of like split them up into different bags with like different kinds of cooking oil and um, it, it makes life so much easier. Yeah, I would agree. And I do have an ardent as well. And I find that the smell is very minimal with that device and it is super handy to have. But do you have totally. a go-to infusion that you always like to have on hand? Like that that one that if you don't have it on hand, you have to make another batch. Yeah, so it's sesame oil and infused lard. Um, I cook a lot of Asian foods, so those are really, really key ingredients. And for, for those two, um, oils, I like to find a strain that's kind of funky or gassy or garlicky. Um, cause I use that in savory dishes. So that, that always works really well for me. A sesame oil is an infusion I have never tried, but it sounds like I do need to. Do you find that the, yeah. the sous vide method helps to preserve some of the terpenes then? Definitely, because you're cooking at a lower temperature, um, you're preserving a lot more of the terpenes and all the other uh, cannabinoids as well. There's um, some minor cannabinoids that you'll preserve in there as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think it just tastes a lot better. You're not going to get that like burnt acrid taste that you often get if you're like cooking on a stovetop for because it the heat and the temperature is so inconsistent. Right. Yes. And I've heard so many, I've had several chefs on this show and the consensus is always the same. Using the oven or the stovetop is very imprecise. And so devices like a sous vide where you can dial it into a half half degree is a real game changer because that sort of puts you on par with some of these professional stoves and ovens that they would have in commercial kitchens that, you know, people like us just don't have access to when we're doing our home cooking. So that's a very good point. Now your website features beautifully sophisticated recipes. And that's one of the things that I think that really makes it stand out. And all these recipes feature cannabis as a functional ingredient. What do you think is going to be needed to have cannabis treated as any other culinary herb, like in other places in the world where they just treat it like basil or, or rosemary or something like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, And I I think a mindset shift is really needed. Like cannabis cuisine is not just THC and CBD and just getting like high out of your mind. There are also a lot of vitamins and minerals and beneficial cannabinoids that are in both the raw and the cooked states of the cannabis plant. Like, for example, I 
love to make chimichurri with raw cannabis leaves. Mm. And it's not going to get you high, but it's healthy and it tastes great. And there are other cannabinoids like THCA that are in it that are really beneficial to you. And you can toss the leaves in a smoothie like you would do with kale. Um, or um, I, sometimes I juice it and I use that juice instead of like spinach juice when I'm making dumpling wrappers for that green color. Um, hemp seed as well. I use that in my oatmeal. And that one's widely accessible. You can get it at Whole Foods. And um, something I've done in the past too is like after I have a plant, I take the cannabis root and I turn that into an herbal liqueur. Like there's just so much more you can do with this plant than just, you know, using the flower um, and, you know, decarbing it to activate the THC or the CBD and just like getting high off of that. Like there's, there's so much more that we can do with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do see a lot of cannabis chefs playing around with some of that stuff, but do you feel like if there's more people doing this kind of experimentation at home that it might help advance sort of the agenda as far as making it more widely accessible? Yeah, and I think with legalization, um, we'll, we'll help push that um, as well, you know, just normalizing this sort of uh, mentality. Um, and and we're, we are starting to see that, you know, as we legalize across the states, um, people experimenting more. And, you know, if you're growing it too, um, which a lot of people are now starting to do, you know, it's more cost effective. And then you have all this plant material, you know, like it's such a waste to just throw all the leaves away, like yes. eat it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned that too, because I did have a guest on my show recently who suggested that you could actually make infusions with the fan leaves, which was something I had never mm -hmm. heard before. And there are enough cannabinoids in them to use them in an infusion. He said you had to triple cook it, I think. That was his method. But it just goes to show that every part of that plant is usable in some way, shape, or form. And I think that's it makes it such a versatile plant versus almost anything else on this planet, really, <laughs> which is why people keep yeah. coming back to it. But um, many of the recipes that you share in your blog, I've noticed are are not simple to make, which I actually find rather refreshing because I find myself as a home edibles cook that I, I sometimes lean to the, the more simple to make. Was this just a, sort of a coincidence? Was this by design that you've chosen some of the recipes that are, you know, not necessarily for the absolute beginner? Well, honestly, I, I cook what I want to eat. And oftentimes it's the nostalgia that dictates the menu. Um, and I'm not afraid of creating recipes that are a little bit more challenging. And I feel like there are more than enough simple recipes that are out on the internet. And I want to be you know, true to the flavors, um, my flavors, and also to pay homage to the ancestral, ancestral dishes that I, um, I want to create as well. Um, yeah, like I, I have lots of um, vintage, you know, Chinese cookbooks. They're not necessarily always easy. And it's like always just like super fun for me to just like tinker around the kitchen and, and play around with those flavors and those ingredients that may or may not be hard to, to come by. Well, and I really do love that because like you said, it is you're cooking what you want to cook and you just happen to be sharing that with your audience. But also, as you said, I tend to lean towards easier stuff sometimes, but there are many times where I want to challenge myself and the way to learn new cooking techniques is by trying something that's outside of your comfort zone. And there's so many beautiful re recipes on your website that I'm anxious to try. So I'm really, uh, that's commendable, I think, because it's it makes it different <laughs> for sure. Now, considering the focus of your blog, 
what inspired you to switch to gummies and candies for your latest cookbook? Yeah, yeah. So I, that one, um, you know, I, I signed my book contract in 2021. And that was when cannabis edible sales um, in medical and recreational states just began to skyrocket because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we started to see consumers choosing edibles, but specifically gummies and candies and even beverages. Um, and, And they're choosing them over inhalable forms of consumption. And, you know, it was the perfect timing to work on a cookbook focused on sweet treats. And, um, also, using that as a way to introduce people to the sous vide method of infusion. And, you know, I hope that that's a stepping stone um, to more cookbook projects in the future that go beyond just gummies. Right. Well, the the cookbook is beautiful. I have it here in my hands right now. And I really Mm -hmm. liked the layout in the information, how you, how you presented it to the reader. What is one thing that you'd like people to take away from your book? Thank you so much for that. (laughs) Um, I I honestly just really wanted to make this book accessible to cannabis um, curious people who are um, of all different cooking levels um, of expertise. And I I built the book out to go from easy to more challenging. You know, I I don't want people to feel that it's intimidating, especially if you're just dipping your toes in. Um, You know, the easiest way to infuse cannabis is using a simple alcohol-based tincture, and it doesn't require any special tools. Then you can use that tincture to make infused sugar for your gummies and your candies. Um, and like another thing I wanted to, you know, kind of harp on is safety and responsible consumption. It's really important for me to like speak to. And I think if you're concerned about dosages, the recipes in my cookbook are designed to be low dose and snackable because um, there's nothing you know, I find it really annoying <laughs> to have a tiny gummy yes, and, amen. Have it, and have to cut it <laughs> yes. and tiny piece yes. because it's so, like, I don't want that. So, like, I I wanted my book to be like, all right, like, I want to be able to eat a handful of gummies and not just, like, blast off into space. <laughs> right. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I find the same thing. Like, when you have something that you want to enjoy, it's nice to be able to enjoy a few pieces of it instead of just, like you said, the one tiny gummy that you're now having to cut the head off so you can nibble on that because it's so strong. <laughs> yeah. And I also liked how you did lay out the book from from beginner recipes to more advanced because candy making and gummy making is probably for the home cook the most difficult sort of project to take on and it can be pretty intimidating. But once you sort of get the knack of it, it's all those uh, cooking techniques, I guess, lend themselves to the whole process of gummy making or candy making. Now, do you have a favorite recipe? Like if you had to choose one recipe out of this book and there's so many wonderful ones, which one would you choose? Thanks. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't choose this one. Right. <laughs> I have a few, but I, I mean, my favorite one I think in this book uh, would be the salted mocha caramel. They uh, are me too. so divine. <laughs> yes. yeah. oh, oh my gosh. Did you make it yet? I haven't made them yet, but it's on my list to make next because I am a huge sucker for caramel. Just, Generally speaking, yes. So yummy. Um, A girlfriend of mine made it and she's like, we ate the entire block. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that happening to myself And I was like, that's a giant block. Um, But I I mean, I I made a batch recently and I baked them, little squares of them into snickerdoodle cookies. And I like people just ate them up. They're so yummy. Um, I also really like the snowflake crisp nougat. 
And that's a candy that originated in Taiwan. And it's often eaten during the Lunar New Year. It's not too sweet. It's not too sticky like most nougats are. And it's it's got like crispy and gooey textures that like I love. Um, so that one's one of, another one that I really, really adore. And then uh, the last one I have to say is the gemstone gummy. Mm-hmm. And that recipe, that one has been showcased like a lot, like on High Times, for example. So it's super fun to make. It's kind of like a chemistry project. Like you get to tap into your creative side too when you're making it, when you're coloring it. But then um, once you've cut up all the pieces, you have to let it cure for a couple of days. And as it dries and cures, a crunchy sugar crust appears on the outside. So it's crisp on the outside and it's gummy on the inside. And it's Mm. really fun. I would like to add ginger chews to that list as well, because I love ginger chews. And all the ones, I've seen a lot of pictures of of the ones that you just mentioned, but... These are all beautiful candies that you can make with the, like we're recording this in early October, but the holiday season is coming up and they make a lovely gift to that edibles lover in your life for something that's really spectacular. And they're going to be like, wow, this looks amazing. Um, Just to get people inspired (laughs) that that's a, a wonderful way to sort of show someone that you care, of course. Definitely. Holiday gifting for sure. And I have... Um, cute little labels uh, made too that are on my website. You can download them and you know write the the dosage on it as well. And um, they're nice and colorful and bright. And so oh, perfect. Um, That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So what does the future hold for you, for Sue Weed, and for the Weed Gummies world? What's next? Yeah. So hopefully more fun cookbook projects. Um, this was my first solo cookbook. I had so much fun with it. Um, I, I wrote it, I took the photos and I also designed the layout. So like, it was one of those like labor of love projects and I would love to do more. Um, you know, but in the meantime, I'm focused on motherhood um, I'm taking extended maternity leave, which is like a privilege I am not taking for granted. And I'm really just enjoying this special time with my baby right now. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And I will say the photos in this book are beautiful. So if you did all the photography, I, I'm not surprised because I understand you do a lot of photography, but <laughs> the pictures are stunning. And it's nice to hear that you are able to enjoy that time with your family because it does go by very quickly. So now while you are doing that, where can people find you online? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Sueweed, S-O-U-S-W-E-E-D and my blog, Sueweed.com. Beautiful. And I do suggest that people check out your book, The Weed Gummies Cookbook, because they will not be disappointed. And again, the holiday season is coming up and I'm sure there's someone special in your life that you might want to Uh, make a treat for. But I really want to say thank you, Monica, for taking some time with me today. I know you're busy. You have a a new little one at home. And and I just really appreciate you spending some time to talk to the listeners of Bite Me the Show about edibles to talk a bit about making edibles at home. Thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun today. Really appreciate you. I hope that you gleaned some new knowledge from this conversation and that you're inspired to experiment with something new in your kitchen. Visit Monica's website to search for beautiful infused recipes, including the butternut squash croquettes that I covered in a recent episode. You can support Monica's work by buying her cookbook and the gummies and candy recipes in there make great treats for yourself or for a loved one. 
And as always, you can find the links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a fellow edibles enthusiast. And until next week, my friends, you need to do stay high.